It's good to be back with you again <clears throat> after uh, a few years' absence. It is really good to be back. I'm thankful that Pastor Hall uh, felt he could ask me to come and speak for him this morning. So I do bring you greetings from Utica and all the Uticans over there. And it's good to see you all here this morning. My wife was not able to be with us this morning. She, she wanted to be able to come, but she was not able to come, so she also brings her greetings. I would like to, us to turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, this morning. I would like to encourage you with the words, When God is silent. You say encouraging words when God is silent. I would like to encourage you with the words, When God is is silent. Isaiah chapter 55 will be our text where we will uh, begin this morning, or be, be at in a few minutes this morning. But after we pray, I would like to just give you a background of the book of Isaiah and what's taking place here, leading up to this passage. So let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to meet together. We thank you for the opportunity we have to open the scriptures this morning. I pray that you would give me the words to say and, and there would be a blessing to each one of us here through the encourage our hearts through the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. In Isaiah chapter 1, I'm not going to cover the whole book of Isaiah, of course, but Isaiah chapter 1, the picture of Isaiah here is the picture of a courtroom scene. God is laying out the evidence. God is the judge. He's laying out the evidence against the people of Judah and Jerusalem for the sins they have committed. And it's not a pretty picture. But in the midst of it, the Lord presents hope and restoration of the people of Judah and Jerusalem if they will repent and return to him. After all, there is always hope with Jesus. Isaiah's ministry covered the lives of four kings. Isaiah was a prophet who prophesied for, uh, about the coming events with Uzziah, with Jotham, with Jotham's son Ahaz, and with Hezekiah. Isaiah had a good relationship with Uzziah, and in chapter 6, verse 1, the Isaiah even says, in the year that King Uzziah died, that would be the beginning of Isaiah's ministry with Uzziah. And he goes on to the next king, Jotham, who was also a godly king. But then Jotham's son, Ahaz, was a very wicked king. And Isaiah was called to prophesy toward, or prophesy in his reign as well. This king, Joth, uh, King Ahaz, was exceeding wicked in false worship. When King Ahaz passed away, King Hezekiah took the throne. Once again, Isaiah found himself in the reign of a good king, a godly king. And we go to, back to Isaiah, and I'm just going to read these verses here. Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. He speaks about the, the, the seraphims 
and, and that, that, were, that were flying around the throne of God and crying out and praying praise to God. And Isaiah, in chapter 6, verse 5, when he saw the Lord in all of God's glory, Isaiah saw himself what he was, a sinner in need of a Savior. In verse number 8, God says, I, or, to Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Then said I, Here am I, send me. In verse 9, God says, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, and that they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, Until the cities be wasted without inhabitant, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord having moved men far away, and there will be a great forsaking in the midst of it. Wasn't a pretty picture what was to come. But in verse 13 of chapter 6, God presents hope for the people. That it would return. So this is what's taking place here when we get up to Isaiah chapter 55. And our text is going to be verses 6 through 13. Isaiah 55 verse 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For, the, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, then it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. For ye shall go out and with joy and be led forth with peace. Mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in a singing. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come, come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The title of the message is When God is Silent. For 400 years, between Malachi and Matthew, there was a period when God appeared to be silent. He wasn't. He was actively at work. We know what was taking place between Malachi. We find the standing of the Jewish people in Malachi. And we don't read anything until Matthew chapter 1. We turn to Matthew chapter 1, he begins in with the genealogies. And what's taking place? The Messiah has come. For 400 years, no scriptural writings. But, for 400 years, God was actively at work. What was God doing? Preparing the way for the Messiah. We do know from historical writings that, that 
that Rome is conquering the world, becoming a, the, the, the fourth empire that Daniel prophesied during that time period. And when we get to Matthew chapter, chapter 1, Rome's empire has been greatly established, and it's time now for the Jewish people to receive the Messiah or reject him. God was preparing the way. What do we do in our lives when it appears God is silent? We pour out our hearts to him and, and, and it seems like God is far away. I mean, Hebrews is still in the Bible that says, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. One of my dad's favorite poems, in fact, I have it hanging on, my, on, on our wall at home, is the, the poem Footprints. Many of you are familiar with that. The guy's walking through the, the sand, and, and he looks back over the sand, the prints in the sand over the years of his life, and he notices that during the hardest times of his life, there's only one set of footprints. And so he questions God. He says, Lord, I don't understand why you would leave me during the hardest times of my life, I only see one set of footprints. And God replies, my precious child, I would never leave you. The time you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. When God is silent, be assured he's still working our lives. In verse number 8 of Isaiah chapter 55, God says this very plainly. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. God's ways are up here. Our ways are down here. It is so far apart that, that God says, You cannot imagine my thoughts. It's like the furthest heavens away and you are on earth. My thoughts are out there. Your thoughts are here. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. Be assured that when God is silent, or appears to be silent, he is actively at work. We may not know his plan. We may not see his plan. We may not understand how God is going to work everything out in our lives in a current situation. But we trust God anyway because we know He's got a plan. We understand His ways are not our ways. We could go into many illustrations of, of times when, when we don't understand what God is doing. Classic example, of course, is Job. We're never told that ever that Job knew in this lifetime what was happening in his life. In fact, the Bible says he, he was a very spiritually mature, righteous man. He loved God. He hated sin. And yet he suffered horribly. We're never told that Job knew what God was doing. In fact, his friends told him he needed to repent of his, repent of his sin and get his heart right. They didn't have any idea what God was doing in Job's life. Job had no idea what God was doing in his life. The Bible does call Job a righteous man, and yet he suffered. 
I'm sure there were times as we read through the book of Job that Job said, Lord, why? Why, Lord? What have I done? Is there something I can do better? Job did question God at, at points in his life as he was going through that trial. We think we have it bad. Job lost all of his possessions, his family, in a matter of minutes. Job didn't understand God's ways, but Job trusted God anyway. In fact, at, at the last several chapters of the book of Job, as Job converses with his friends throughout the book, and they're, they're giving discourses back and forth, and finally Job addresses God and, and, and what's going on. God doesn't speak. For several chapters, God does not speak to Job. Because God's bad with him? No. Because it wasn't God's time. Job had to finish what he was saying, and God had to get his attention. Say, now it's my turn to speak, Job. Where were you when I created the foundations of the world? And he goes through a series of questions. After question after question after question. And Job says, I don't have an answer. Obviously, I wasn't here when you created the world, Lord. I, they're, they're rhetorical questions. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Many times we don't know how God is working. But be assured he is. Here in Isaiah chapter 55, I'd like to give, us, give you four points that Isaiah brings out. Number one is the invitation. The invitation. Verses 6 and 7. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. The invitation. The invitation here is for all. To seek God while he may be found. There is coming a time when that time will be passed. He says we need to seek God. The invitation is to seek God the Lord, and call upon him while we are able to. You see, no one is given the promise of the next minute. No one. We need to seek him while we are yet able to seek him. We need to call upon him while he is near while his, his, his guiding hand is there calling and directing and, and pulling us to him. We need to seek him. The idea of seek means to search out. Search, search out. He's there. But he's, he's not going to be a forceful surrender on our part. He's, he wants us to willingly come to him and seek him out and say, Lord, I need you. Verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord. 
and he will have mercy. You know, there, there, there's, a, there's a part here that it's, it's, it's our responsibility to want to return to God. God didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners to repentance. Repentance, a change of mind. Repentance, repentance, agreement with God that, yes, I'm a sinner and I need Christ to be my Savior. Yes, I know He died on the cross for my sin. And I want Him to come into my life. There's the invitation that He's drawing us to Him. Number two, there's the need. There's the need. Verses 8 and 9, we just read these verses. There's, there's a definite need. We need God. It's instilled within us. We need God. And we don't understand His actions. We understand the thoughts of God. We have a little bit of the thoughts of God. We have what we need to know about God right here in this book. It's right here. It's right in, it's open the Scriptures. We have the mind of God what he has promised us, what he wants us to know right here. We just have to cling to the promises and agree with the promises of God. There's the need. Need for repentance, the need to forsake our wicked ways and return to the Lord. And here in Isaiah, he's, he's, this is all in reference to the, the Israelites coming back to God. They have rejected him. And coming back to God, God promises them hope if they will repent and come back to Him. Number three is the method. The method. Verses 10 and 11. For the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven. Returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So, just like this, just like verse 10 is the example, the illustration, as the rain comes down, the snow comes down from heaven and causes the earth to, 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 to grow. Verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. The method is God's word. God's word. When it appears that God is silent in our lives, we pour out our hearts to him, and it seems like there's no response. Cling to the promises of God. Cling to the promises of God. He is actively at work. We may not understand it. We probably don't. But cling to the promises of God. God is true and faithful. He'll never fail. It's not within his nature. He can't fail. All he asks is for us to trust in him. That is the way is best. The method is the word of God. Someone once, once uh, asked the question, consider this question, I'm not going to answer it for you. Can someone be saved without the word of God? Can someone be saved without, that's a loaded question. The method is God's given us his book. For us to read and appreciate, understand God. 
but it's not completely the mind of God. There are things that we will never understand about God. I don't believe, I believe that there are things we will never understand about God, even in heaven. That's why God is who he is. But he's given us what he wants us to know right here. The method is the word of God. Number four is the result. The result. Verses 12 and 13. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you in the singing. All the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. It shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The result is joy in the Lord. A home in heaven. Trust him. And God is silent. I have a book at home that was given to me by a pastor friend after a personal tragedy years and years ago. The title of the book is When God Doesn't Make Sense. Human sense, that is. When God doesn't make sense, what do we do? Trust in God. Because he's there. He's promised he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. No matter what happens, he's always there. Turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings, if you would, please. 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings, chapter 19. This is the story of Elijah. And the background here, very quickly, the background is Elijah has just gone through and the, uh, the, the altar. Uh, the prophets of Baal have been slain. Uh, in verse number 2 of chapter 19, Jezebel has sent a messenger to Elijah, because they were Jezebel's prophets of Baal that were murdered. And he says, he, and she says, Elijah, so let the gods do to me and more also if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Elijah had a price on his head. Jezebel, a wicked lady, wanted him dead. And she was determined to do it within a day's time. Elijah runs away, and in verse number 5, as he lay under a juniper tree, he says, the angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And verse 8 says, He arose, did eat and drink, and went into the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. So we see that Elijah was tired. He was hungry. He had just had a major victory in the altar. At the altar. The prophets of Baal had been killed. Huge victory. He was on the mountaintop experience. And here Jezebel comes. And Satan uses her for the valley. Elijah's up here. And now he's going to be way down here. He's tired. He's hungry. And now he's depressed. Because my life is about to be done. 
so he thinks. Elijah will come to the point where, where he says that in verse number uh, 10, he says, I only am left. He tells God, I am the only one who have not bowed my knee to Baal. He's in the valley. I am all alone, he says. And then verse 11 he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and breaking pieces of the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. God speaking to you this morning in that still, small voice. We may be looking for something grandiose to happen, and God's still, small voice speaking to us through his word, saying, this is all you need right here. This is all you need. After God brings Elijah back to himself, after Elijah in verse 14 again says, I, Even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. He gets to verse 18, and God says, Elijah, yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed into Baal, every mouth which have not kissed him. Sometimes it's that still small voice that God uses to get our attention. Years ago, when I was in college, I worked for a farmer. I don't recommend this. I don't recommend this at all. Maybe some of you have seen this, done this, but one day I got to work at this farmer, and he had his tractor parked across the, the driveway, which usually meant one thing, <laughs> the cows were on the loose. And so I helped him get the cows back in the barn, and one cow was still grazing in the front yard, would not move. So I watched this farmer go into the, go into the, the barn, came back out with a two-by-four, and hit that cow upside the head. Didn't damage the cow. Cows have very hard skulls. And all the cow did, he was grazing on the grass. All the cow did was lift up his head and turn and looked at the farmer. Marched himself right into the barn. What did the farmer have to do? Get the cow's attention. He never did it with a bull. You'll catch that later. <laughs> you don't want to do that with a bull. <laughs> he had to get the cow's attention. And the cow did what he wanted him to do. The other cows, he spoke the word and they went into the barn. Not this cow. This cow was, had nothing to do with it until the farmer got his attention. What does God have to do to get our attention? Can he speak to us through his word and we're, yes, Lord, like Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8? Or does he have to take the hypothetical two-by-four and smack us upside the head to get our attention and say, okay, now, this is what I want you to do. It should be the former. 
the speaking. Psalm chapter 46. Psalm chapter 46. What a great encouragement this psalm is. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very help, present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be trembled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. When God appears to be silent, when he's not acting in the way we think he should, then it's time to be still and know that he is God. Lord, what are you trying to do? Lord, what are you trying to teach me? It may not be God's plan to let us know at this point in time, just like Job. Years ago, there was a family friend, family I knew that their 15-year-old daughter had cancer. She was a nice young lady. In fact, I actually judged, I'm also a teacher if you're not aware of that, but I judged her in the academic meet one year. She did the poem, When Tomorrow Starts Without Me. That was February. Cancer was in remission by that time. But it came back in October. She's in glory today. Her dad was prayed and prayed and prayed for in the family. We're sure that God was going to heal her. But he chose not to. Why? Because the family committed some horrible sin? No, not necessarily. We don't understand God's ways. We don't know how many people may have been witnessed to because of this girl's testimony. Many of her unsaved friends were there at the funeral which they could not get into the building. There were so many people that showed up. I went to the visitation, and the line was out the door and down the street and around the block, a couple of different blocks. 
God's ways aren't our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's ways are up here and ours are down here. There's no bringing the two together. So, what do we do when God is silent? What do we do when it appears that God is answering our prayers like we have asked Him to? I mean, the Bible says that Paul, Paul gives testimony. He asked the Lord three times, take away this thorn in the flesh. He never said what it was. We have some ideas. What did God say? Did God say no? No, God didn't say no. God said, my grace is sufficient. I'll carry you through. I'll help you. Rely upon my grace, Paul, to get you through this. Paul says, unless I should be exalted above measure, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. And I asked God three times to take this from me. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. So when it appears that God is silent in our lives and, 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 and we, we, we poured out our hearts to him and encourage yourself in the word of God. It's the method by which God uses. Encourage yourself with other believers. The kind of friends Job have are the kind of friends that none of us need. Encourage ourselves with other believers. We're part of the family of God. Paul wrote about that too. <laughs> you ever try to do anything without a hand? And I, I hope I'm not, I'm not want to be offensive here with anyone, but, or do you try to do something without a fort? Or try to do something without an eye? It's difficult. Paul writes, he says, he says, if the eye decides it doesn't need to be part of the body because it's not the ear, how are you going to see? And as God put the human body all together, and every part of the body is important, so God put together the family of God, and every body, person of the family of God is important. We encourage each other in the scriptures. When God is silent, Psalm 46.10, be still. And know that I am God. Great truth from God's word. Because it's not our ways, it's God's ways. It's God's plan. And we don't know what that is many times. Trust God. Trust God. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time we've had together. Lord, we... I don't know what anyone here might be going through. It's You have no idea. Many times we fight these battles and other people around have no idea what's going on in our lives. But Lord, I pray that as those times come, and they will, if they haven't already, they will surely come. I pray that we would encourage ourselves in the Word of God. That you would... Keep our joy knowing that you are on the throne. You don't vacate your throne when something happens. You're right there with us. 
And Lord, I pray that we, that would be a truth that we would all cling on to today. That we would be still and know that you are God and cling to that. For the time you give us left on this earth, in Jesus' name, amen. In just a minute, I'm going to ask if you would please stand. I'm going to ask the piano player to play through. You can go and stand. I'm going to ask the piano player to play through uh, a couple of verses of a song. If God has spoken to you today in any way, maybe you're here and you're not saved. You don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today could be that day. Many people here, including myself, would love to talk to you about how you can know Jesus Christ. Maybe you're going through some personal situations now. Maybe no one else knows about it, but God knows. Time to turn it over to God. Turn it over to God. Let Him have control. Some of you know some of my issues a couple of years ago. When I went into surgery, they told me I may come out without a leg. What do you do? Give it over to God. God knows. God knows. Give it over to God. Maybe you're dealing with some personal tragedy. Turn it over to God. This altar is an altar of invitation. You're invited to come. You can talk to the Lord right there where you are standing. And I would encourage you to do so. So I'm going to ask Carolyn to begin playing a couple of verses. Let's just bow our heads. Unite our hearts. Close us in prayer now at this time. Thank you, Brother Reed. Let's bow our heads and in prayer, Heavenly Father, we thank you for 
the opportunity to meet together, Lord, and glorify you today. And I just pray that you would move in a revival in our land, Lord, when it seems we're at our lowest point and and at our lowest level of strength, Lord, that you'd you would just um, take control, that you would move in the nations and and um, just um, preserve our freedoms here in America, Lord, and that uh, your will would be done, Lord. Help us to stand for truth, Lord, and to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ and, and lift him up, Lord, and and that uh, you would just even move in the, the remainder of the service downstairs. And, and I just pray that you'd uh, strengthen us, strengthen our members, and strengthen our pastor and his wife. And, and I just pray that uh, you'd be with us as we go out, Lord, that uh, bless the meeting tonight here and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.